Just a reminder to our Speculating Wildly About Crime listeners, this is for entertainment purposes only and solely the thoughts and opinions of our team. We do invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Speculating Wildly About Crime. I will be your host today. My name is Jamie, and today we are going to cover the very curious, very mysterious case of Priceless Pisa. Some of the sources I used for this episode were the disappeared episode, which was entitled Road to Nowhere. I also listened to a couple of podcasts, which included True Crime Garage, Mysteries and Mimosa, as well as And Then They Were Gone. I also read countless articles and Reddit threads in preparation for this case. So starting out to tell you a little bit about Bryce's background, Bryce was an only child to parents, Mike and Karen. Should be noted that um, Mike was not Bryce's biological father, so he adopted Bryce at an early age. And the family lived in Naperville, Illinois for pretty much their whole life, I think, up until 2012. So when Bryce graduated high school, his parents decided, hey, we're going to take this opportunity to retire early, and we're also going to move halfway across the country to California. So at that time, they had decided on a city in California named Laguna Niguel, which is in Southern California in Orange County. They, as a family, decided that he was going to go to a community college in upstate California called Sierra College. This college was about 500 miles from where his parents lived in Laguna Niguel, which some people speculate was weird. You just moved halfway across the country and now you're moving halfway across the state to go to college. I don't know about y'all. When I went to college, I want to be as far away from my parents as I could be. So maybe it wasn't really that weird. Everybody described Bryce as a super outgoing, fun-loving, super social, very funny open book type of guy. He had no problem making friends. He had no problem keeping friends. Everybody just really loved to be around him. Naturally, he quickly acclimated to new surroundings. He found a new best friend by the name of Sean, who would later become his roommate. Bryce also met a girl who was gorgeous by the name of Kim during his freshman year of college. And they dated for about a year. So Kim lived about 90 minutes north of where Bryce lived. It was a little bit of a long distance relationship. So we're going to jump right into the days in question. We are going to travel back to August of 2013. Sierra College was located in Rockland, California. Bryce had spent freshman year at Sierra College, had a great freshman year, spent the summer at home with his parents. And then two weeks before classes were going to start, he went back to Rockland, California to get settled in with his new roommate. He was now living off campus. Hey, just let me go see my girlfriend, my friends, and get ready for school type of thing. He's out there doing his thing for that two weeks. And then it's the week of August 27th. One of Bryce's first classes were that Tuesday of that week. So he called his mom at some point during that day and mom said, how did classes go? Everything was great. And side note, freshman year was also great. He got really good grades. So everything was seemingly normal. At some point during that next afternoon, Bryce's roommate, Sean, called Bryce's mother and said, something's off about Bryce. Like he's just not being himself. 
And he's not being himself enough for me to call you and tell you about it. And I don't want to say she brushed it off. She had a mild conversation with him. Sean had discussed how off Bryce's actions were because the night before he had been texting with Kim and was trying to break up with Kim over text messaging, which is really weird because Bryce had a great relationship with her. They were not fighting. They had no issues going on. Bryce's mother even described their relationship as being super cute, Bryce being a good boyfriend, whole nine yards, right? I don't know about you all, but when I was in college, even to this day, when I'm in my 40s, if a friend of mine or my husband even, for that matter, calls my parents and says, hey, something's off, takes a lot of balls, right? Do you know if Sean and Bryce's parents ever met? Maybe if they helped Bryce move into school, maybe they met him? didn't see that there was like this deep-seated relationship. So it was maybe in passing. Yeah, because I feel like that's even, that's interesting too, of someone that doesn't even know them personally, like to call the parents to be like, oh, I'm concerned. Yeah, it was just super duper weird. And I'm going to put this here now because it just fits, but we will later find out. And I want to make very good note and be very careful to say that Karen and Mike Bryce's parents did not know this at this time, but we will find out that part of the reason that Bryce's actions were so weird is he had taken a drug called Vyvanse, which is basically a stimulant. It's like doing cocaine. And it sounded like he took it to pull an all-nighter and play video games because the new Madden had just come out and they were going to go to GameStop at midnight and they wanted to play it all night. And that's where something started to spiral. This conversation happens with Bryce's roommate, Sean, and his mother, Karen, in the afternoon. Conversation happens. Nobody really does anything about it. And then Bryce leaves his apartment to visit Kim. After he leaves, within about an hour, he sends Sean a text message that says, and I'll quote, it said, I love you, bro. You seriously are the best person I've ever met. You saved my soul. And then Sean responded with, I love you too, man. You have an amazing life full of blessings. Don't waste it. So we fast forward to later that day. Bryce is at Kim's house. It's about an hour and a half away. It's speculated that he went up there to break up with her in person because the breakup over text didn't go that well. She wasn't really understanding it because it really came out of nowhere. So they're having this conversation and she just doesn't like Bryce's actions. So She, too, doesn't feel like he's in a right state of mind. So she takes his car keys and says, you're not going to drive anywhere at this point. And also, I'm calling your mom. Now we're in the same 24-hour period. Sean has called his mom, and now his girlfriend's calling his mom. Bryce's mom says, let me talk to him. So she talks to him for a minute. It clearly seems like they're having a boyfriend-girlfriend fight. So she says, okay, let me talk to your roommate, Danielle. And Danielle says, yeah, I don't know. He seems fine. I think he can drive home. So she says, Kim, why don't you give Bryce his keys back? And why don't you also give me the phone back to just have a brief conversation with him? So Kim has a brief conversation with Bryce and says, hey, clearly something's going on. Just go home. I'm going to fly up there tomorrow. Mom, please don't fly up here. I have a lot to talk to you about. So please don't make any rash decisions until I talk to you about these things. Okay, fine. And at about 11 o'clock that night, 
and this is on Wednesday night. Kim lived, again, 90 minutes up in Chico. And so when Karen hung up the phone with Bryce, she assumed, okay, he's fine. He's going to go home for the night. Early the next morning, when Bryce calls Karen at 1 a.m., she assumes he's back at his home. They have a brief conversation. It seems fairly normal. She didn't think to ask him, where are you? How are you? Because we will find out later that, in fact, at 1 a.m., Bryce was nowhere near his apartment. He was in a complete opposite direction at this time, basically in the middle of nowhere. It gets wilder, y'all. We're at the top of the roller coaster. I see your faces. The next morning, so now this is Thursday, August 28th, around 11 a.m., his parents get a voicemail from their insurance company stating that Bryce was driving a car that needed roadside assistance. So Karen's, what the fuck? I just talked to him. He should be at home. Why does he need roadside assistance? Something's got to be off. So Karen calls Sean and Sean's, I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't come home last night. I don't know why you thought he was coming here because it will be later found out in these interviews that Bryce actually packed a bag that night. He left to go to Kim's house and told Sean, I'll see you after Labor Day. This sends Karen and Mike into a tizzy and they don't waste any time. And they're like, let's look into the credit card records. Because at this point, they couldn't ping his phone or anything. And obviously they tried to call him. He didn't answer his phone, right? His dad pulls his credit card records and they find a charge from a gas station in a town called Button Willow. California. Button Willow is a town you blink and you miss it. It literally has a truck stop and that's really it. So they find out that this is where he had this charge. They call the shop. They talk to this guy named Christian who was the mechanic that helped Bryce that day. He said, you know what? I do remember that guy. He called me because his car was out of gas. I went out there at about 9 a.m., brought him gas, and went about my day. Spoiler alert, but Christian is an amazing individual, which we will soon learn. And he says, it's only been a couple hours since I went and gave him gas. Why don't I just go back there and I'll see if he's still there. So he drives back to the place where he brought Bryce some gas. And lo and behold, Bryce is in the same exact spot that he was three hours earlier. So Christian calls Bryce's parents and says, hey, he's in the same spot. He hands the phone over to Bryce. Bryce has a conversation with his parents. Bryce's mom is, the fuck are you doing? He's like, oh, nothing. Anybody that has a teenager or preteen knows that fucking answer. Missy, yes? Well, I'm not doing anything. No, I, didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't stay up all night. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Jamie. It's frustrating. What time did so, Christian go back to check to see if he was still there? Probably, I'm going to guess, it was probably around like noon. Because okay. Bryce's parents like got a few hours later. Yeah, it was three hours since um, Christian had originally brought him the gas. Okay. So it was around the noon time frame. At that point, they said, look, you're three hours away from Laguna Niguel right now in this town of Buttonwillow. You are going to be home at 3.30. Go get gas. Go get food. Do whatever you need to do. Jamie, did they know that's where he was headed? Or they just basically no. said, you're coming here. Yeah. Basically, at that point, they're like, listen, your roommate called us. Your girlfriend called us. You broke up with her out of the blue. 
you're kind of halfway here anyways. Get your yeah. shit together, right? Just come home because I don't know what else the fuck you're doing sitting at a truck stop in Buttonwillow, California for three fucking hours. So they're like, okay, you should be home by three o'clock. Easy peasy. It's middle of the day. Nobody's driving on this damn highway. Oh, 3.30 rolls around. Karen calls Bryce. He hasn't returned home. He's not answering her call. He doesn't answer several texts. They let several hours pass. And then finally at 7 p.m., they're like, we don't fucking know. Call the police department, do all the things, file a missing persons report. I will say a lot of these police departments were on their A-game for the most part because immediately after they filed the missing persons report, they said, let's grab his cell phone records and ping where he's at. Simple, right? That's 101. We have a missing person. Let's ping their cell phone. Does anybody have any guesses as to where Bryce was when they pinged his cell phone around 7 or 8 o'clock? Oh, let me guess. Can I guess? Yeah. Was it Button Willow? <laughs> he was in fucking Button Willows at this fucking truck stop. What is he doing? He has not moved in nine hours. Hmm. That is He's moved wild. eight miles. That is wild, but also any family member that comes in and says my family member is missing, that's what they should do immediately is ping the cell phone. Like, why does that not happen all the time? Cross- yeah. But that is wild that he was still there. Mind fucking blown. Okay. Now we know where his cell phone is. Let's bring the cops there. So the cops find his car and they obviously tap on his window. He seems fine, but they're like, these reports we got are not fine. Let's do a field sobriety. Let's search your car. Do the whole thing. After that, they say, hey, we have your parents on the phone. We're going to need you to have a conversation with him. And he's like, oh, I don't want to have a conversation with them. I'm fine. I don't need to. No, there's a missing persons report. So you're going to talk to your fucking mom. There's a lot of back and forth. But finally, he reluctantly is, I'll talk to my mom. And at this point, Karen had a conversation with the police officer saying, hey, do you think he's okay to drive? And the police officers, yeah, nothing's wrong with him. He can drive, but also I can't force him to drive. He's an adult. Karen gets on the phone with him and she's, hey, Bryce, what's going on? What are you doing? And again, anybody with a teenage son, this, you'll just, you'll love this answer. I'm putting my stuff back in my car because the police just searched my car. That is not what I'm fucking asking, sir. I'm asking why you are still at this truck stop and why I had to file a missing persons report. Like, what in the hell is going on? So unfortunately, the reports I read, I don't know what Bryce's response to that was. But basically, she said, I don't give a fuck what's going on. Get your shit back in your car. Go get some food. Go get something to drink. I'm super worried now because now it's going to be dark when you're traveling. Start driving. Somehow, this family is the luckiest family on the planet. And while they're in the frenzy of, where's Bryce? Let's call Christian because that's the last person that saw him, right? So in the midst of filing the missing persons report, they had called and left him a message at some point. He reaches back out after this whole altercation happens with the police officers and says, hey, I'm so sorry. I was so busy today. I just got your phone call. What can I help with? And his mom's like, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. The police went there. They found him. <clears throat> and Christian says, again, I think nicest person on the planet. Maybe you'll tell me differently in speculation. But he says... I'm getting off my shift. I have to drive out that way anyways. I know exactly where he was. I'll just drive out there. I'll see where he's at. His mom's, okay, that's silly. I just told him to drive home, but fine. Christian drives out there. Bryce is still fucking there. He's still in the same damn spot. At this point, he's now been there for 10 hours. So Christian says, dude, you got to get on the interstate and start driving home. 
your mom keeps calling. She's super worried about you. So he's, hey, I got him to start driving. I'm going to follow him down the road for a little bit. And Christian did note that he had a little bit of erratic driving when they first got on the highway. But after about 10 miles out, he seemed fine. So Christian pulls off on an exit and lets Bryce go about his way. At this point, his parents have another conversation with him. And they say, hey, this time we're not fucking around. Keep your phone on. You need to tell me where you are at all times. You need to give me landmarks. And the whole time he's like, I don't know where anything is. I don't know where I'm at. All I know is that my GPS says I'm going to be home at 329 a.m. So at 209 a.m., Bryce calls Karen and says, I'm getting super tired. I'm going to pull off in this area. Don't know where I am. But I'm going to pull off here and it seems suburban. It's well lit. I, I think I just need to go to bed. Karen says, fine. It's well lit. Lock your doors. So that night, Bryce's parents go to bed and they're like, okay, we can breathe a sigh of relief because he's close, right? And he's coming home. So the next morning at 8 a.m., Bryce's parents are woken up to knock on the door. They're like, oh, Bryce is home. It's great. Not Bryce. It's the police officer to inform them that the car that Bryce had been driving had been found abandoned in a place in California called Castaic Lake, about two hours north of Laguna Niguel and about 90 minutes away from Buttonwillow. His car had been found that morning by a police officer around 5 a.m. at the bottom of a 20-foot cliff on its side. The back window appeared to be broken out. And they speculate that's probably how he got out of the car. They did find small traces of blood on the scene. There was a very small amount of blood in the passenger headrest and back seat. Inside the car, they found Bryce's laptop and phone. And almost immediately outside of the car, they found Bryce's duffel bag and wallet. It appears that there's no Bryce and all of his belongings are here. What happened? Was there any kind of blood or anything outside of the car? Not that was reported. No, it was just those two little spots of blood that were in the car. There was no trail of blood or anything like that that was reported, which was super odd, especially to go off a 25-foot cliff. I assume the airbags went off in the car? Yes. Yep. The Um, glass was the back windshield because we saw pictures, right? So the car was on its side. So yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because this is weird. And I only heard it mentioned on one podcast, which was True Crime Garage. And when they said it, and it was literally just a sentence in their whole two-part coverage of it, I was like, that's really fucking weird. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of this. So I'm going to show you guys and I want to see what you think. So one of the individuals of the True Crime Garage podcast said there's no photos of Bryce's wrecked car available to the public. And I was like, what are you talking about? You Google Bryce last piece and you see this car everywhere. Let me show you something. I'm going to share my screen. So this is apparently... Bryce Last Piece's car at the bottom of this 20-foot cliff that he drove off of. This is supposedly a 2003 Highlander, tan in color. Now, where I can get on board is in the grill part, this emblem in the front of the grill, it does look a little bit like a Toyota emblem. So I was like, okay, I'm here with you. The overall to the naked eye, sure, this kind of looks like a Highlander. But what do you think about the back window? Because that's where 
they lost all the credibility to me because on this picture of what is supposed to be Bryce's 2003 Toyota Highlander, it seems like the back it window look like an SUV and it goes out, right? Like it, yeah, I don't know how to, else to describe it, but like an SUV, the back would go straight down. And this goes out almost like it's a van or something, right? I yeah, or, or even, a sedan. Even the hood, it seems, is a lot longer than the picture on the bottom. Yeah. Oh, and there's, to me no, there's no luggage racks on top. And that could be just a model I pulled. Oh, so these, this is not like Bryson's car one day and Bryson's car the next day. These are This is the model. Yeah, I just pulled a 2003 Highlander. I Pulled a bunch of Google images, but the back was was the main thing to me where I was like, this isn't the same car. Yeah, that looks like a just a normal, like a regular car. Yeah. SUV. That's not the bottom of a cliff, guys. It doesn't look like there's three windows on the side either. Okay, so that, Janelle, I was like, could it be three windows? Could it not be? I can't really tell on the side, but... On the bottom, for sure you can. Yeah, this looks like a front and a back and then to missy's point i and i didn't notice this until today there's this doesn't look like the bottom of a fucking cliff that's a road maybe a neighborhood there's a car in the back there's no cliff so he's inside and he kicks out the back where's the glass but depending on when they took the picture of the crime scene but there's only glass on the side on the driver's side yeah. Maybe they took it and they swept it there because it looks perfectly piled. But I want to see the true crime scene before they started maintaining it. Mm-hmm. That flags me. Yeah. Th- okay. So I'm glad to know I'm not alone. I did a quick Google search of 2003 Toyota Ham- uh, Highlanders. And it seems like almost all of them do have a luggage rack. So mm. that was pretty standard. Yeah. It could be a huge epiphany and it could be something or it could be nothing. It could very much be that one person that covered this case for the very first time grabbed this picture of this car and claimed that it was the Bryce crash and everybody just ran with it. It could be as simple as that. Or it could be the police saying, we don't really want to release the crime scene photo, so let's put this shit out here and hope that nobody investigates it. Maybe the police were involved somehow and they put this out here this is this is weird i want to go to are there any pictures to missy's point with this that looks like a house that looks like a neighborhood and if we want to give it the benefit of the doubt of okay there's a road that's above and then there's a neighborhood down here and you fall down cliff into this neighborhood but is there pictures of just where the crash happened not the car but just where the crash happened i feel like what they're saying happened to him is there was a road above correct and he like then there was like a hill that he correct. his car went down and ended up here yeah, not correct. that he hit that uh, curb and flipped over correct. i think that's why i want to know what the terrain is there i pulled up some pictures on my phone here yes. it's mainly like palm trees and short shrubbery that to me looks more like redwoodsy kind of vibes and either way if you are go off a cliff unless he jumped it forward or whatever there's no roll marks on the top of the hood they said the car hit on the front and then went to its side but the license plate is still attached if you hit at the front is that bumper area right bumpers on there's a few dents in the hood there but 
hell, that could be hell, <laughs> hell damage. But if the license plate is still on at the front, it looks like there might be a few things over at the headlight. But it's a tiny dent. I could do that with my foot kicking a car. I would never look at that car and think it just came off of a cliff somewhere and ended up on yeah. a fob. Well, surely they found some kind of road marks or like patterns in that area to come to this conclusion. Yeah, we're going to get to that. What is, okay, so you see where the car is on its side, right? So where the back tire would be in the windshield, there's this thing. What is that? Oh, like this pile, like a pile looks of like bricks a or jack. something. Yeah, I don't know. The car looks like a car jack. Because there's crime scene tape, too. But usually there's crime scene tape, but there's nothing that has been touched outside of that crime scene or outside or beyond that tape. But obviously, this there's been maintenance done. But I'm sure at this point, the police don't. Maybe they do because he's been acting weird. I'm not sure if it was the same police officers that met him before when his parents were the missing person report. But in theory... They don't know anything. They just think, oh, did some weird crash happen? And he is down the road trying to get cell phone reception. Who was the car registered to? His parents. It, depending, I don't know what they could pull up if you run the registration or the license plate. So maybe his missing person's report didn't even come up. It's under the parent's name. And Unless they, they may have pulled his license. I guess his wallet was in the car. But when they stopped him the first time, they would have... Put it on his license, but not on the car. The first initial police officer that rolls up to this scene doesn't have any of the context that we do. So their mind isn't automatically going to, oh shit, this is really bad. But you know? their job is to connect dots and pieces. But not immediately. Then I think they need retraining. I would immediately come to a scene and think, this is a puzzle piece and I need to connect these dots. This is obviously a bad thing. I'm not just going to think that this person hit a curb and everything's fine. Case closed. I don't know if I agree with police going from zero to a hundred on everything they happen upon, but I understand the concern. I've had two cars tip over on my residential street. And they looked like this. Like there wasn't much front damage because they hit a car and then tipped over going 30 miles an hour. That happened a couple of years ago right in front of my house. And it just happened down the street again a couple of weeks ago in my area with no snow, no ice, no nothing. They were on their side like this. Very little damage. It looks like there's a jack in front and in back. And that's how they righted it to get it back to the right. So this looks like a car like you said, David, hit the curb just in just the right spot and flipped over. But again, that's assuming that it was a, they hit the curb the wrong way and flipped and not yeah. something nefarious happened <gasps> and they've been yeah. missing for how many years? Thank you, <laughs> David. I think we all need to travel here and see this <laughs> area. And see Castaic Lake. Just in because I'm California. still very <laughs> confused by this. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think so either, but then it's weird that everybody's using that as I their- think- Bracelet piece of crash car picture. Somebody found a picture that resembled his car, used it as a photo in their podcast, and then everybody else, oh, this is the picture of the car. And then everyone else then also used it. Yeah, it's so weird. Because also then I have questions about if he crashed, if that's a a house, because it looks like there's maybe multiple houses, 
Did they not hear it? Did they not come out? Were there not people that they interviewed that were in those yeah, places? There's not a car hear. in that parking lot mm -hmm. of whatever that place is. So it just leads to a lot of other questions. That picture is just weird. Very odd. But even when I Googled it, that's what comes up. I have never heard any discussion about the car. So that's all new to me. I just don't think it's that car. I don't know. That was mind-blowing to me where I was like, what? Okay, so obviously they find his car at the bottom of the cliff. This launches an investigation. During the investigation, both Bryce's roommate and his girlfriend are questioned. During these conversations is when we find out a few things about Bryce's behavior leading up to his disappearance. We learned, we already knew about the Vivance thing. So the story kind of goes... I think it was the Monday that they were staying up all night until the midnight on that Tuesday that they were going to go to GameStop on Tuesday and buy the new Madden game and stay up all night. And in order to stay up all night, they had snorted some Vivance. That was number one. And it was speculated that maybe he had also done Vivance the night before and maybe he had been doing it for a little bit. So he may have been up for up to almost 48 hours by the time that Sean had called his mom. That was number one thing. Number two was that Bryce had been drinking really heavily. Right. Raise your hand if you're young and dumb and drink a lot. Thanks, friends. I love you. So this was out of that norm, though. He was drinking, they said, two-fifths of liquor on a weekend. And a lot of the times that he was drinking by himself. So to me, it almost felt like he was self-medicating with some of that drinking. Another thing that came up was that he had given away some possessions. There was a pair of diamond earrings that was given away to his roommate, Sean. That was never questioned. Many reports said that he gave away his whole Xbox system, which would mean a lot because the Xbox meant the world to him. Like, He's a 19-year-old kid. That's what he did. But his parents did an interview and said, no, it wasn't his Xbox. It was just his Madden game that he gave away. The one that he just stayed up all night to go get? So it's weird, right? Is so, this like a true giveaway or is this, yeah, you can borrow it? Seemed like a giveaway. And then in my mind, when you pair that with that weird text that he sent to his roommate, so, hey, I'm giving you all my shit, and then I'm also telling you how much I love you. Did they go through this whole span of text messages and be like, oh, this is completely out of the norm that they talked about? What also concerns me is, so, Vivance is like Adderall. You're a college student. You're getting your first taste of freedom. Could his friend that he gave diamond earrings have been a payment for Vivance? But, of course... His friend might say, he gave me these earrings, but his friend is thinking, we're not going to try to get back to what I gave him in return. And uh. I, I pulled up the side effects for Vivance because I was curious. And mind you, this is for oral use, it says, but it has nausea, vomiting, constipation, stomach slash abdominal pain, loss of appetite, dry mouth, headache, nervousness dizziness, trouble sleeping, sweating, weight loss, irritability, and restlessness may occur. So to me, nervousness is he, you're in college, you're still new to it all, and you give somebody these diamond earrings to hold on to because you're nervous. Somebody might break into your apartment or you'll lose them. If he, When he's in his car, the dizziness, trouble sleeping, is that why he's just sitting in his car for nine hours? Is because 
he's dizzy, can't sleep, and is nervous and rest. I don't know. I find the side effects very interesting of Vyvanse, much less if you're misusing it, plus drinking. And I did pull up what drinking can do with Vyvanse. And the first thing I saw was drinking alcohol with stimulants like Adderall, Vyvanse, or Ritalin can be dangerous and lead to serious complications like alcohol poisoning and heart problems. And there were also some statements that it could lead to psychotic breaks. Yeah, I just, the first thing I pulled up were those things. And I feel like usually when you hear those prescription drug commercials where they do the side effects, maybe, I feel like all (laughs) of them are like, may cause suicidal thoughts or action. So Jamie, from everything I know about this case, it sounds like the Vivance thing was not like a just happened a couple times, like in the past couple days. It sounded like this was a kind of a regular thing. Is that ish? And I guess this is a good point to bring this up, but he had been caught with and arrested for possession of MDMA, which is basically Molly ecstasy um, when he was in high school. And that is 100% true. I pulled arrest records from Naperville. He was definitely arrested for that. So it wasn't like, oh, I just got to college and I'm experimenting with these things. It had been I've been already doing this, right? They said what he was doing at the beginning of his sophomore year was definitely out of character for him to the point where my roommate and my girlfriend called my mom to say how weird it was. I understand the girlfriend as you're breaking up with me out of the blue for no reason, but do you know what the linchpin was for Sean to contact his mother? I think it was just a combo of everything. It was, hey, you're drinking heavy. That's one thing. Hey, you're also snorting by Vance and staying up all night and you gave your shit away. This is a lot. And you broke up with your girlfriend in the middle of the day. One of the podcast episodes I watched, Sean and Bryce were just shooting the shit one night and he just started texting Kim and was texting, texting and Sean looked over and he's what's going on. He's like, I just broke up with Kim. And Sean was like, what the fuck do you mean you just broke up with Kim? What? So it was definitely a combo of all of it together where it's okay this is a little out of hand when he gave away his things to sean so he gave the xbox and or the madden game and right. the earrings do we know if that was around the same time that he did both yeah of those? yep it was it was okay. within that same week we here have the earrings have this that's interesting what year was this jamie 2013 okay because my other thought is with xbox depending on what year it was obviously you can buy games online. So mm-hmm. maybe he wanted to get the actual disc at GameStop, but then the next day, and eh, I'd rather just buy it. So I have it like digitally on my Xbox. So giving away the disc is not a big deal. But if it's a brand new video game, why would you still give it away? I don't know. I'm of two minds of that specific part. The hard one. And that's what I was asking, but it was like the same time frame. But I think there's been times when... And it sounds like he was very, like the text message that he sent to Sean, he was very close with Sean. He felt like a great fondness towards him that if he's drinking and he's doing all these things, oh, Sean likes my earrings. I want to give them to him as a gift, as like a, I just love you so much. I just want to give this away to you. I have done that drunk where I've, oh, you like that book in my house? Here, you can have it. Take it. So I could see that happening. But I guess... So I know, note to self, get Caroline and see what we want from her house. Yep. Get her drunk. She bought me a drink. 
Yeah, I yeah, I will always buy the drinks, but but the giving in the way of the same time, like the earrings and the Xbox and the Madden game in combination seems strange. It's all crazy. But hold on to your butt because it's going to get crazier. In addition to the question and interviews with the girlfriend and the roommate, they also did a thorough investigation of the whole Castaic Lake area. They sent cadaver dogs out. They did foot searches. They did heat sensor searches. They did drone searches. They did diver searches. Everything you could think of. And when they brought the dogs out to search his scent. The scent went from the place that his car was and then it went over a dam and I think maybe through one other thing of water and eventually came out to a road. I think it was Castaic Lake Road and it stopped there. Now, there are a lot of other podcasts that state that the scent was tracked all the way to a truck stop which was very close to Castaic Lake Road but his parents, when they did the interview with the one podcast that I listened to, said that is incorrect. The dog stopped at the entrance road and didn't go all the way to the truck stop. It was speculated or inferred that maybe he went to the truck stop. So that's one thing. Then, so I'm going to read this paragraph that I wrote, and then I want you all to tell me what you think about it. As the police were doing their investigations, there was one area of Castaic Lake that had surveillance footage. And so it captures his car traveling up that hill at 2.15 a.m. This was six minutes after he called his mom and said, I'm really tired. I'm just going to go to bed in this residential area. We catch his car traveling up to that place at 2.15 about two hours later, we see his car traveling up this same hill again at 4.29 a.m. And 8 a.m. is when his parents are called to say, we found this car crashed. 5 a.m. is when his is when the police officers found the car there. So he called his mom at, I think it was 2.09 or something a.m. Said, I'm going to go to bed. 2.15 a.m., we see his car racing up this hill. 4.29 a.m., we see his car racing up this hill again. And then at 5 a.m., we find this car on the bottom of the hill and saw no Bryce, but he was nowhere to be seen and all his shit was out. Just so weird. Unfortunately, the surveillance camera was only on the path going up. There had to have been some path for him to... It's not like he, Dukes of Hazard jumped off and then came back up it, right? I didn't know if there was a loop you went up one way and then down another part of the hill. It seemed that way, but I can't say for sure. He was on the phone with his mom at 209 versus when the car seen him. They said that he was looking for a place to rest, right? It's not suspicious that he's on the phone with his mom, but I think it is very suspicious that, hey, I'm going to go rest, but just kidding. I'm going to go pedal to the metal because they said his car was going at a very fast speed up this hill. Didn't you say, Jamie, it was in a well-lit residential yeah. area? And so he told his, yeah, he told his mom it was almost as if you were pulling off and like, oh, I see a McDonald's and a BP. I'm going to go here. It wasn't like, here's this weird national park area. But then why why tell your mom that you're going to go pull off into this well-lit residential area? Sometimes <laughs> if you yeah. told your mother, <laughs> no, mom, I'm in for the night, knowing you're on your way to the liquor store and who knows what that's going to lead to. On top of, 
they had previous conversations of there being worry and cops showing up. So um, I don't even know what he was doing between 2.15 and 4.30. They couldn't tell. It's almost like he was just driving in circles in that Kaseya well, Blake area. He could be parked one, right? Or He's really good at parking his car. So he do you well, think and he was like, maybe he had been so, off for two days yeah uh, i do i did just briefly pull up castaic lake on google they have a mcdonald's hotels and six flags nearby they're just outside of santa clarita so am i understanding you correctly damon you're thinking that if he's on the phone with his mom saying i'm in a public place i'm fine even if he's on this stretch of maybe it's not well lit right now but i'm on my way there is that what you're saying I guess I'm just saying it's small. There's stuff. You had to go out a little out of the way than just pulling off the interstate too. And I'm looking, there's a McDonald's right off the interstate. He Starbucks. probably was like, I'm not lying to my mom. It's well lit here. And then maybe he's, oh, here's another road. I don't know. It's not, if you came to my town, it's here's one streetlight. <laughs> That's, I guess I'll just park under this one. I wish I could even say we have a stoplight, but. We've got one forward. No. So a couple of other things before we get into our speculations. So I, I got to put this in here just because it was in a disappeared episode. But five days after Bryce's disappearance, a jogger was jogging through Castaic Lake. He calls 911 to report a fire. That's about three miles from where Bryce's car was found. So everybody's crossing their fingers and maybe this is something. The fire did lead to somebody that was a human who was burning, but... Uh, forensic tests were run and unfortunately it was not Bryce. So he was still missing at that point. And then Bryce's parents did hire a private investigator about a year later and she decided to do this case pro bono. August of 2014, she hired a bunch of crews and did sonar on the lake for two or three days. Still nothing. Bryce is not in that lake. They've done so many searches. If he's there, they hired the worst investigators ever. Over 10 years later, Bryce's fingerprints, DNA, everything is loaded into every national database and still no hits. The only other thing we can look at is his social media, his credit cards, his cell phone. There's still no activity on any of those. Nobody's come forward with anything. There's been about 10 sightings of him but none of them have come up to be confirmed as being Bryce. Some of them were just normal people that you see out and about. Some of them were homeless people. There wasn't any police reports that I saw that said, we know it's not Bryce because of XYZ. But on the Find Bryce Last Pisa Facebook page, his parents were manning that page and they would type in on everyone and say, hey, unfortunately, this wasn't Bryce for whatever reason that they didn't share. So unfortunately, that's all we know up until this point. What I'd like to do from here is take your questions and then take your speculations. But before we get into those speculations, a couple things. Number one, any speculation that you all don't come up with that was a potential theory I am going to talk about. Number two, there is something that I want to tell you all that I did find upon doing some deeper research after y'all give me your speculations and I want to see if it changes anybody's mind because it changed mine. And then Bryce's parents got a lot of negative slack for not doing the right things. But there are a couple things that I do want to make note of because I listened to a podcast where they did an interview. Number one is 
all the oddities about his behavior. When Sean called them, he didn't say, oh, he's been taking Vyvanse. They didn't know about that until afterwards. They didn't know how heavy he was drinking until afterwards. They had no idea he gave away possessions until after he was reported missing. So those are some things to take into account. So did they just not ask questions to Sean? Like, why are you calling to tell me he's not acting like himself? So that is something I have problems with. There's many conversations that we talk about throughout this that it's like, what did you all talk about? What was happening? Even that call at 1 a.m. when he called after he was leaving Kim's house and they had a conversation but nobody ever reported what, what it was about. And they never talked about his location. I'm sorry, but if you're leaving your girlfriend's house after two people told me that you were acting weird and you have all this shit going on, I'd probably wonder where you are, right? And you just told me not to come and fly up and see you. All those things are weird. There are friends of mine where I know their families very well. have taken vacations with them or family parties like every holiday. My friends act weird all the time, but I have never contacted their parents in that kind of way, even though like a lot of them, I consider my own family. So I've known Luke for 20 years, probably. He's called my mom once. Yeah, it's just not a normal thing. Yeah, but you don't know, maybe their parents had reached out their roommates before and said, if anything happens, give us a call. I know like my mom... Right when I started dating my boyfriend, he, my mom was like, give him my phone number. Now we hadn't even been dating that long. And she, I don't care if it's weird. Let it be weird. Give it to me. Granted, he's never had to text her or anything. He'd been arrested with drugs. But that's still something his parents know, right? Unless he was a minor. How old was he when he was arrested? They knew he was arrested. He was a minor. He was in high school. Yeah. He got arrested for the MDMA. But even then you would, you'd be like. I, I think that I'm not insinuating he was like a drug dealer or anything. If they knew at least he had, would that question be, are you on drugs? Is that a question that would be on a more forefront mind of a parent? My son is 24, almost 25. So when he was in college, I didn't talk to any of his roommates, but I did Facebook stalk them all, but he thought I was crazy. But anyway, if his roommate would have called me and if he would have had previous drug issues or something... And his roommate called and said, hey, your son's acting weird. I've been like, yeah, okay. I know what's up. I know what's say. Oh, yeah, it's because he's on drugs, right? Like, I wouldn't necessarily bring the family dirty laundry into the roommate or even the girlfriend because maybe I'm wrong. And even when you think about the arrest, if I called my mother from jail and was like, I was drinking and driving and got pulled over. Is she going to show up to the jail to get me with a whole AA group and assume, oh, you're an alcoholic, you have this problem? I was saying, it. if this was the first time and they're like, we had no idea, we would never even suspect it. But in your scenario, David, where the, he's got arrested for a DUI, I know he has drank before. I want y'all to put a pin in the parent thing for a second. I have something to say about the parents. So my thought about the parents is, and everything I listened to brought me to this place, but I think they are hiding some stuff. I think it felt like an Aunt Diane situation where, no, he doesn't drink at all. No, he's perfect. There's no drugs. I think when you do that, it hurts the case because they just tell the truth. So the police Mm -hmm. know what to look for, what to look into. And I think they did a disservice by not being completely honest 
And there is no way you got these phone calls and did not ask any questions. No way. And if you're saying that nobody ever spilled about drugs or drinking or giving away stuff, they just said he's not acting like himself. There's no way that no questions were asked. I will die on this hill. There is no way. And the parents know something. And why would you not disclose that? Was he having suicidal thoughts and they don't want to share that because they don't want to believe that? They are hiding information. I always wonder, do we know the full story as far as podcast documentary listeners? Or did they share that information with the police, but we just haven't made that? It's the only caveat to what you said, Janelle, but otherwise I would agree with you. My mind goes to he was having suicidal thoughts. They didn't want to ruin this perfect bubble around him. And we're maybe in denial. That could even be a possibility. And so just blew off these calls as, no, we didn't get any real information. It was just something is off. Can I throw out an alternative point? It does seem like there is information missing. But I'm trying to think about if I was in college and my roommate called my parents and said, Carolyn is acting weird. And whether the parents knew the roommate, because if the parents didn't know the roommate all that well, maybe they weren't putting a lot of stock in what the roommate said. And then they talked to Bryce after the fact and they assessed Bryce and they said, okay, he seems fine. Whereas like, I'm thinking like if my parents didn't know my roommate, it was like early on or like a friend that I, like a new roommate that I had called and said, oh, she's acting weird. They may not put too much into it. I had a roommate that I was like roommates with all through college. If she had called my parents and were like, was like, Caroline is acting weird. They would have been, what's she doing? Pestering her with questions, asking me, they would have been out there and been like, okay, you're coming home. What's going on here? But if it was someone that they didn't know that well, maybe they were like, okay, let me just talk to Bryce and see what's going on. And Bryce maybe faked it to them of everything's great. Everything's fine. And should they have asked more questions to him? Yes. And I don't know if we do. The conversations that they had with Bryce, more of those details after the roommate and the girlfriend called the parents. So my thought goes to that he didn't have a super deep relationship with Sean because they did mention how Kim had went home with Bryce this summer, visited his parents and that whole nine yards. They didn't make any mention of Sean doing that or that. Oh yeah, they were such good friends. I think they were friends freshman year. That's how they became roommates. But I don't think it was, remember it was like five or six hours away. It's not like they were going up there every weekend. I don't think there is a big relationship between Sean and Bryce's parents. So I could see what you're saying, Carolina. I'll equate it to when we all met in Dallas. If any of you had called my parents or if I would have called any of your parents, it would have been like, yeah, okay, but you just met her. You don't know, right? This is how she acts every Saturday. But didn't the mom also want to speak to the girlfriend's roommate about her assessment to give the keys back or not? So Right, yeah. because she felt like it was they were having a spat and she wasn't getting a unbiased opinion right so when she asked i forgot about that dana that's an that's interesting right so the actual roommate sean 
oh, you guys aren't that good of friends. And then when the girlfriend's roommate says, ah, he seems fine to me. She's like, great. Give him his keys. Bye. Good luck. Drive safe. It's almost like they were gathering this information and just didn't react quickly enough. Maybe they would have taken different actions if they had more time to think about it. But who knows? Maybe they were talking to each other. Oh, what should we do? What do you think? Oh, he's going to be fine. Let's go to bed. Or when they said you're only three hours away, just come here. I feel like maybe at that point I would have been like, you know what? You've already been there all day. We'll meet you there. Yeah. I wouldn't even say it. I would just show up. <laughs> he he seems big. like he's avoiding and not answering the phone or whatever. Anyway, we know where you are. We know you've been there for multiple hours. I'm heading that direction. And just honestly, if it was my kid, I would have been there already. I just know me. I know I would panic. I'd freak out. I'd be like, where are you? I'm going to find you. That's what I'm going to do. So I would get in the car and drive. If my kid was having some troubles with drugs, or that maybe even more reason for me to go figure out where he is. Like they could have even, I know the cops when they went thought that something was fishy. So the parents could have even been like, can you keep him there? Yeah. We will be there. Can you just keep him for observation? Find a reason, make him stay. I'll play devil's advocate to that because they did talk about that on one of the podcasts that I listened to. They talked specifically about the cops that had him there and basically it boiled down to it wasn't an amber alert because he was 19 and also wasn't a silver alert because he's not an old man, right? He's just an adult that's doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. And as much as you want to, as a parent, say, hold him there because I'm going to be right there. The cops have no right to do that. You could if do they spent loitering. Like they you spent could... thir- but they spent 30 minutes with him and put him through field sobriety, everything. Yeah, but it's fine. If you think about it in the reverse, if it was a different situation where you wouldn't want to keep them for the end result, that's what you want. That's the only way where I would fault the parents, but you still don't know what's going on. My son, when he was in college, was three hours away, too. And most of the time, if he had anything wrong, even when he was like, oh, I think I'm sick today. Okay, would you like me to come up there? I'll be there in two hours. Even if it's a three-hour drive. But the other argument that was made for the parents was, we can't get in our car because we don't know where he is because he's not telling us where he is. So what are we going to do? Drive up the highway and hope that we run into him? I'm saying when he was at that stop, when the police went. But I think it goes into, what do we not know? If you had that good of a relationship with him and his mom raves about their relationship and how they were so close... You knew where the fuck he was. I feel like that was the turning point of this whole situation. That's where he was at for 10. 10 or 11 hours, yeah. Yeah, and I would say that my son and I have a good relationship as well. I keep asking him to give me his location on Life360. He's like, no, you don't need to know where I am. I just want to know if something happens, where the hell you are. And he refuses to, and he always has. Um, but I used to be like when at least when he had Snapchat, I could figure out where he was. And so I can see that, though. And like I said, we have a good relationship. He'll answer my te- te- texts at any time. He'll call me. But I'd still be driving up there and figuring out where he was, especially the second time. Like if he hadn't the first time, OK, he's on his way home. Second time, oh, he's still there. All right. Well, I'm on my way there. And if he comes home, great. I'll just have driven for six hours for no reason. I feel like rather than calling Christian the second time, forcing him, okay, you get on the highway, I'm going to follow you, 
that's where everything changed. Had that not happened and he was still sitting at the truck stop right now, I feel like that's where the path could have totally changed. But I'll back off the parents. And like with what Dana said, if some of the uh, side effects of the medications that he was on was nervousness and you have this strange guy that helped fix your car and now he's following you again and then he comes back again and now is following you on the highway like that might get you a little nervous and freaked out and who knows what you do after that if that's already related to medical I also thought it was really weird how his mom is like oh yeah that's a really good idea pull off on the side of the road and just lock your cars and go ahead and sleep I was listening Grace and I have listened to this episode a couple times and I was like, just so you know, if that ever happens to you, I'm getting a fucking hotel room. Like, why would you not at least do that? And they weren't hurting for money. That was not the issue. Why not find like a hotel room somewhere, especially if it's down this main highway? I'm sure you could find one fairly cheap. Again, I'm, I just want to make it very clear. I'm not a parent, but there was one time where my tire blew out on the interstate. My mom, I was texting with her and she found out where I was getting my tire repaired she called ahead and paid for me. So I'm like, you can do to it. her, yeah. you are, you're on the side of the road. You had to get towed. This is like the least I can do for you. Yeah. I was just thinking though, with the hotel rooms too, I know rental cars, you have to be 25. So I don't know. I'm sure if your parents rented the hotel, that that would be fine. Even if you were younger. You only have to be 18. Okay. That wouldn't have come into play then. But yeah, you would do Throw anything a, like hell that. Hell of a hotel party for my 19th birthday party. But yeah, you would do any of that for your kid and then figure it out later. Just get them home, get them safe, get them off back on the road, whatever. Any other questions before you all want to speculate and then I drop a bomb on you? All right, Janelle, you're first. I don't feel super strongly about it, but my gut says that there's a reason he tried to refuse to talk to his parents so many times. There's just something so fishy about the the whole situation with that relationship dynamic. And I think if he was talking about ending his life, that is one reason I would contact somebody's parents and give away my things, try to avoid my parents. And then if his parents had an inkling of that, they're not going to tell anybody because if they feel that it is whatever, an accident, foul play. If you say he was a little like feeling a little suicidal, changes the course of the investigation. So I don't have strong feelings about it, but that's the closest way I can piece all of it together. But I definitely think that there are secrets, whether the parents, you know, whether they have been open about it, but it doesn't seem like they have been because there's no information. I don't think he went off to start a new life. If I guess that's what I'm saying. So do you think he did take his own life? Whether he did something to take his own life or something happened to him. I don't think he is living in Canada under a new name right now. Dana? So the big thing I have is that half hour from when his car was last seen on video to when the police showed up. Because that leaves very little time if he went into the woods. As you mentioned, he wasn't in the water. If the dogs tracked his scent up into a certain part of the road, what's stopping a car from picking him up? There's a man randomly on the side of the road at quarter to 
four in the morning. So whether it was planned or unplanned, it's hard to say, but I find it interesting that his scent stops. And even if his scent did go to the truck stop, like some other podcasts have mentioned, both are still plausible. I think it's easy to say if I was the parent, so I can understand all of the flack that they've gotten and how they feel, but you weren't in that situation. You weren't having those phone calls. I can get on board with what Janelle's saying of they definitely know more, and I believe that because it's their kid. I feel like there was another third party involved, whether it was somebody coordinating a pickup and he wanted to... Maybe not go to Canada, Janelle, but let's say Honduras or Belize. Let's go down south. How does that sound? Or if another tragic end happened, how do you just vanish? And with all of his strange acting hours, even just from the time that he was at his girlfriend's house, if somebody was coming to pick him up, maybe he was planning on staying at the girlfriend's longer he was planning on staying and fighting all night with her so he didn't have to get in the car and that throughout his timeline i think i'm gonna jump to that island we all have a cozy little thing going on over there i'm just thinking if the girlfriend had enough concern that she's i'm gonna call your mom and i guess the mom said give his keys back but i think she was justified by saying yeah you suck you're trying to break up with me out of the blue for nothing but you're still going to sleep on my couch. I have problems there. But I could see, no, we're going to fight all night and then we're going to break up because I'm leaving for this new life. The guy's not coming until tomorrow at 5 a.m. in this rural area. He can't just hide behind a tree while the cops are looking for him. I'll just hang out on my beach on my island. So hang on. I'm assuming they went through his call history. Did he contact anybody else in all that time he was sitting at the truck stop? Nothing that was reported. There wasn't a big investigation. It was just the main things that came up were when they pinged his phone and where he was and the conversations they had with his mom. But if I really want to make my island a lot smaller, what's saying that it wasn't somebody from school and they just had conversations and they knew what day, what was happening, what time? What's saying he didn't have a burner and cricket wireless prepaid card phone? Was something that came up in speculation that he could have had a burner phone because he wanted to escape yeah that was part of the series missy yikes (laughs) yikes is where we're starting i'm gonna start right off he's not on a beach in mexico that's what i know for sure pretty damn sure not on a beach in mexico i this is hard i go between the two things i think it would make okay so i'm gonna go to dana's island for just a second because i thought of that too why does the trail end on the road or the descent trail where it's like more Murray. There's a lot of things that I see similar, obviously car crash. You got the alcohol, maybe some of the issues of like, she was acting weird before she disappeared as well. There's a lot when he's sitting in button willow for 10 hours, he's avoiding something. I feel like he went there and he sat and he was just trying to figure out what he was doing, where he was going, what his next move was. I feel like if we lean more toward the suicide idea, he's contemplating whether he's going to do it or not. I feel like with the the surveillance footage, it's him going up. He's thinking about it, changed his mind somewhere in there, however he got down. And then he's thinking about it again and does it, right? But we don't find his body there. So that is like, where did he go from there? Is he injured? He said he was thinking about suicide. He went up. And then he said, no, nope, oh. just kidding. And then he went and then 
he did it. And then where did he go from there? Yeah, we don't find his body. Did he succumb to the elements? That kind of makes sense to me. Again, the more Marie of it all, did he just wander off and then we just didn't find him because he was under something or the more that you talked today in this case, that's more where I'm leaning, even though I really want to say that with the the stuff he was snorting and the, and the heavy consumption of alcohol and all of those things, I feel like that could have contributed to this, whatever happened. I feel like he was self-medicating, trying to forget a boy. And then he started drinking that much. That's not good. That's a depressant. He's probably more in the feelings than avoiding them, right? I think that all of the shit that he was doing was fucking with his brain at the same time. I think that's what made him snap and made all of these weird things happen. I don't want to say that he gave his stuff to his roommate because he was thinking of suicide. I think he gave it to him because of the drug thing. That made a lot of sense. Was that David? If they're doing drugs, maybe that was like payment or here, hold this for now until I get you the payment. I think that makes a lot of sense too. So it's maybe everything all at once. So your thing about he wanted to die by suicide and then he went over the cliff and oh, I didn't actually fulfill it. That was definitely a theory. And then it was like, now what do I do? Some people said he succumbed to the elements. Some people said that he maybe got picked up by somebody. I might be on my own island on here, but I don't think it was premeditated. I don't think he's on in an island or uh, on a beach anywhere south because he had red hair. He would burn. If anywhere, he went north. Canada. Yeah. But I'm curious why he would have been at a truck stop for so long. There's always a lot of shady things that could happen at a truck stop. So you just don't know what was going on and who he was hanging out with. And if he's breaking up with his girlfriend and giving his roommate nice gifts, was he just sitting in his car the whole time when he's at the truck stop or was he doing something else? And it seems based on what, if Christian kept coming up and knocking on his door, that he was just sitting in his car. But I don't know, maybe he was doing something else. And then, yeah, I don't know if it was suicidal thoughts or what it was, but I do think when he got in this car accident and then tried to walk away from it somewhere, that was some trucker or someone that may have picked him up, especially if he was close to the truck stop, maybe there would have been sex work involved in there. I don't know. And of course, that's a wild, that's the wild theory of my own island there, because I don't know if that was brought up at all. But I don't know, something about the truck stops and being there for so long just made me think, did he make new friends there? Did he make other things there that would lead him? Especially since you said there were other potential sightings of him. And like I said, he's got red hair, so he doesn't, at least in the pictures, he doesn't stand out. So it's that's not as common as blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid or something like that. But again, sometimes people think all red, redheads look the same, which isn't always true. <laughs> I don't fault the parents too much either. Is there more information that we don't know? Maybe. I know when my son was in his first couple years of college, he never came home on the weekends. I would maybe talk to him once a week, but usually it was my mom that would talk to him more than me. I didn't know much and trying to reach out and give him some space at the same time was a little hard. It might just be some of that too. So yeah, I don't really fault the parents. I just feel like the truck stops had something to do with it or truck drivers. I don't know if he's still alive or not. The 10 sightings makes me think he is, but... Who knows? Depends on what he was doing. If he did get a ride away from this, the crash, depends on what who we rode with. David? I don't have 
all the best speculations. What I do know out of 19 pages of notes is that I'm the least liked and the most dreaded, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I don't like the whole redheaded thing. I don't like the whole like 10 sightings thing because I think when you come to redheads, Everyone wants to say Reba looks like Julia Roberts because it's out of the norm. One teenage-ish redheaded person, he looks like everybody on either the America's Most Wanted or the America's Most Missing. You know what I mean? So I don't trust that. I, I hate and I don't like, and I don't think that any of us are trying to blame the parents in any way, but we have to separate the fact that we have true crime mindsets, right? My parents get a phone call that David is this and David is that, and they're going to second guess that before they believe it. And that does not make them a bad parent at all. Even if what is told to them that they doubted turned to be true, it would not make them a bad goddamn parent. And I will die on that hill, and I do not want to take that away from any. I think that his family probably did know things, but I don't think that those titles were put to it. I think that as a society, we can say boys will be boys, college students will be college students. We're not going to say my 18-year-old boy is a raging alcoholic that is on the verge of suicide. Speaking of suicide, not all suicide is planned. And the ones that are not planned are the ones that are the most effective and questioned and brought to attention. Who would have ever thought Robin Williams would have committed a suicide? You know what I mean? And so I don't like the thought of us thinking that someone knew for months and generally speaking. I don't like the thought of us saying he's been wanting to commit suicide for a long time and that's what's happened. I don't think that he's somewhere. Where I think I'm going to get in trouble, he went to the hill and maybe there was no suicidal thoughts. Maybe there was none of those things. I tell my grandmother every day, I've been awake since seven o'clock. I'm working hard. I'm doing things. Bitch, I've been asleep on the couch since from seven to ten. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to tell them the truth that they need to hear. And it's not necessarily a lie. It's a pretty version of what all the truth is. I didn't lie to her. It's just the fluffy stuff. I think that's happening. I think that people don't want to accept the fact that sometimes shit happens to you even if you live in Orange County, California with a fucking shit ton of money. The bad still fucking happens, and we get caught up in the, it doesn't happen to me. What I do wonder, as far as a far out speculation, could he have wrecked his car out of delusion, out of the things, and stumbled out into the road? Scary movies, these movies come from real life stories. And so I kind of wonder, could he have someone out of his wrecked car into an oncoming car that hit him? And they threw his body in the car and they took him to another town. He passed away and they got rid of the body because in this town where they think the accident happened, when we were talking about why is there not glass around the scene, why is there not tread marks, why not, and, the, and they find out, like throughout the story, we realize that the surveillance showed him way over here at another time. Could he have, in front of a car, got hit? They threw him in the car, took him somewhere else, and they're only looking in this 10-mile radius and this 15-foot lake. That was not brought up in speculations, but 
yeah, I am right there with you. I see it. Carolina. And I feel like my head is spinning with this one, just because there's so many chances where more conversation could have happened down the line that would have clued us in a little bit more about what happened. Maybe those conversations happen and they're just not public knowledge now. Like the conversations with Sean, with the girlfriend, what did Bryce talk to the parents about? All of these things that I think would maybe clue in more that kind of mindset of where Bryce was and what was going on. Because I think that a lot of the facts that we have could point to any number of things. In the conversation with his mom, he had said, I have so much I need to tell you. I need to talk to you. I'm wondering whether Bryce had wanted to come clean of just how far he was into using alcohol, using Vyvanse, using drugs, all of that, that he had wanted to come clean to them about that situation. And that is what he was talking about. I could even see him breaking up with his girlfriend. And at one point, I think you said, Jamie, that he, that Sean had said, or he had said that you'd be better off without me. If Bryce was in a level of addiction with drugs, alcohol, he could have been saying, you're better off without me. I'm not in a place to be in a relationship. Whereas everyone to the outside would say, there's nothing wrong with Kim. She's great. You're in a great relationship all of this, but maybe Bryce is saying, I'm not the type of boyfriend that I want to be. I'm not in a place to be in a relationship because I have addiction issues. So I feel like that might be purely speculation, obviously, but what he may have wanted to talk to his parents about. And I think a lot of that time at the rest stop could be a lot of twofold situation that he was prolonging that conversation that he knew he needed to have He didn't want to have it. He didn't know how to have it. He's like waiting there and just sitting in his car. I got to just waste some time because I don't know how to handle this. Also, if he's coming down off of alcohol, the Vyvanse and any other drugs that he was on, who knows what his state of mind was at that time. Coming off of being a real alcoholic, that is a very hard thing to come off of, plus being with the drugs. So I do think that's probably what was going on there. Pulling up kind of Missy's idea of him that he kept driving along that same road. I think it could be either he's trying to do it. He's no, I can't. I got to go back here. I need more time to think. Or it could be, I think there's a lot of things that point to he could have been planning to die by suicide and him doing that. Maybe it wasn't a plan, but a thing that happened in the moment where he's thinking this and he is driving fast down that embankment cliff road and he didn't die like he had planned to. I don't think he died in that spot. They've done a lot of searches there of the lake. Like he didn't crash the car and then say, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to die by suicide right here. I think he probably went up to the road, maybe got picked up by somebody if it's near the truck stop to cindy and dana's point if it's near that truck stop and the dog's scent stopped there maybe he got into a vehicle with somebody and went somewhere else and if he still was planning to die by suicide he's in the car with this person ends up somewhere else and that's where it happens and they just haven't connected it or 
whoever he came into contact with was somebody that was not a great person and he ended up dying by murder. I I feel like those are where I'm landing with it. I don't think that he died in that general area that his car was found. I think he ended up somewhere else based on the evidence. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty solid thing to say. And I search and search and no Bryce was found. A couple things that didn't come up in our speculation. One was the drugs. A lot of people speculated that maybe he was too heavy into the drugs and he went up to this area to go meet a drug dealer and something happened and it went south. So that was one thing. His parents are super firm believers that he got in this car accident, had a head injury and just doesn't know who he is. So that's another thing that we didn't bring up. And then again, we touched on it a little bit, but they had a psychotic break. That was one of the other things that a lot of people talked about because that was one of the side effects of the Vyvanse way he was using it is that he could have a psychotic break and not really know what was going on. And my original speculation was that he was dealing with some mental health issues. Something maybe happened that summer at his parents' house or something clicked when he went back to school. Okay, that's not working. I think I need to leave school and just live a whole new life. And I'm afraid to tell my parents that. And maybe that's what I have to have this conversation with you before you make any rash decisions. I need to break up with my girlfriend because I'm not going to be around here anymore. I think he was sitting there contemplating what he was going to do. And that's why he sat at that truck stop so long in Buttonwillow and said, do I want to, you know, take my own life? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And I think he was just struggling mentally for a really long time. And like Missy said, he went up the hill oh, I can't do it, went up the hill again and said, okay, I'm going to do it. And then something happened from there. And and the something I just am not a thousand percent sure on. I always thought before I ran into this crazy thing that I'm going to tell you in a second, I think he's still out there somewhere. I, I don't know how, when, or why, but I just think he is. And I get it. So many people think a, a red-haired, blue-eyed teenage guy always looks the same, but There was just so many sightings and in so many different settings. This person that's at the gym, this person that's a store, this homeless person. It was too crazy for me to have none of them be him. So that's my speculation initially. I want to tell you all this and I want you all to take this a little bit with a grain of salt, but it was one of the podcasts I listened to did have a conversation with this individual. So there was an insider person who posted on Reddit feeds. And his name was Anonymous Hooligan. Four years ago, he initially posted, I will tell you right now that nobody's been painted the clear picture and I can't tell you much more other than I am an insider. Then he came back two years later and he's, I've gotten permission to spill all the beans. The first thing he said was, Bryce was not an only child. Mike had another daughter from his first marriage. And that mother died when she was 11. At that point, the sister who was three years older than Bryce moved in with Mike, Bryce, and Karen adopted her. Shortly after that, Karen has always been about this live a perfect life, have this perfect image. And something was not jiving with that, with this daughter. And it was said, and again, I have no proof of this, but it was said that she was, they said abusive to her and it got to the point it sounded like it was emotional but it got to the point where the family decided to cut her off financially and had her leave the house 
and nobody ever talked to her again. This insider only really knew Mike and his side of the family and the sister. The insider did not really know Bryce and Karen, so we're taking it a little bit secondhand. The other thing that this insider talked about and wasn't brought up anywhere until some of this digging started happening, Bryce was actually kicked out of the dorms his freshman year of college because his drinking and partying became so bad. That's why he had to get a roommate. And that's why he was living off campus. And then the MDMA thing was never brought up anywhere in any news stories, the disappeared episode, none of it. Everything was, this came out of nowhere. We couldn't believe that he did this. He's never acted like this. He's been this supermodel only child. And it's speculated that Karen didn't tell the whole conversation of what her and Bryce talked about at that one o'clock time frame after he left Kim's house. And she still hasn't even told Mike what that whole conversation was about is what they speculate. So this person's theory is that Bryce did want to tell her, I'm done with school. I don't want to do this anymore. I know that's going to break your heart. And so I'm going to leave. And he at some point got met with an ultimatum because they had told him this in the past. Like, if you don't stop doing drugs, we're going to take your credit card away. And so he thinks that Bryce was met with, if you don't stop doing this shit, we're going to take your car away. Or we're going to take this way. Or we're going to do this, right? Because he didn't have to work. They gave him a car. They gave him money, the whole nine yards. And so he was just like a big fuck you and said, I'm done. I don't want to be in this controlling relationship with these parents anymore. And his final fuck you was, let me crash their car and really piss them off. And then I'll disappear and start this whole new life. This individual went even further to say that he had planned this whole thing with a friend of his. And that's why he was hanging out so long in Button Willow, because he got there before the friend did and he had to kill some time. And then when the friend was like, okay, I'm close. He said, okay, let me do this whole thing. Got in the friend's car, went away, started a whole new life somewhere. And again, we take that with a grain of salt. And I do because every podcast I listened to said, can you verify this, but multiple people had conversations with this individual and they said a lot of things that weren't always necessarily out in the public. And it made you believe that it was, this is truly what happened. And in one of the podcasts I listened to, they're like, there was something so dark that they told me that I can't even repeat. Of course they did, but it wasn't just one podcast. And this speculation was backed up with everybody saying, I always thought the mom was holding something back. Yeah, we said that before, but at the same time, what confirmation bias is somebody raises their hand and says this, and then suddenly everybody's like, I knew it the whole time. Maybe it's, it's one, one of those things you want it to happen. I don't care if it's one podcast or two podcasts. The minute someone says, we were told so much more, we can't release it. You're looking for clout. Yeah, it's like we always talk about. You want it to be true, and so you start to connect the dots, right? And with the sister, I feel like there's more. Did Bryce go to school and talk about how he's getting this new other kids moving in with them? I feel like there's people that could say something at some point with getting kicked out of the dorms because he was partying so much. There's a lot of kids in dorms and especially being like, oh, that Bryce, isn't that so fucking awesome? He partied so hard, he got kicked out. I feel like there's a lot of those pieces of information that yep. we're hearing it from this one person on reddit but to play devil's advocate i do think there are some people out there that will do anything to protect their image and lie about anything at any cost 
to make them seem like they live this perfect life. And I agree with that 100%. I said and that, that and I got in trouble. I didn't. No. <laughs> What was, the, what was the contact? Just about everybody, like Jamie, you said, I'm not going to fault the parents for anything. And now you're turning the tables. No, no, no. What I wanted to say was the parents were getting a lot of slack. And so I want to bring up these two points of why they shouldn't have gotten slack. I didn't say I believed it. In this case, I think the parents are fluffing and making things pretty and hiding some things, but I don't think it has anything to do with a, a cover. I don't think there's anything detrimental to the case. Yeah, the only thing that I think could have been possibly detrimental to the case, and again, I think a couple of people said it, maybe the police knew, and it's just not out in the public, but if he was struggling with addiction already, that's something you got to tell the police because that... Yes. Brings yeah. their investigation to a different place, right? I could wander off right I'm what had 20 shots in this episode. I and I'm what 24, 25. I could wander yeah. off right now. And my parents might say he was drunk, but then I want to be like, oh, let's talk. Was this a common thing? Oh my god, he does this every Thursday. Was it an alcoholic? Like and, and I'm a grown adult. Do you think I'm gonna go set my mom and dad down and say, Every Thursday night, I drink a lot. Like, I'm an alcoholic. Especially when you're an 18-year-old. It's their college years. You're not taken serious. You were, you were finding yourself. You said he had only been back at school for what? Two weeks. Two weeks. So the whole summer, he was at home with his parents. So you're telling me that he has had a problem for... A while and they didn't notice any of it yeah but to like david's point no 18 year old is gonna think they're an <laughs> alcoholic regardless they yeah. may be and they may need help but they're they still think they're invincible at that age they don't have any idea and now if he's also taking drugs any type of drugs and that changes his mindset or psychotic breaks or paranoia all that stuff could change some of that where it's not that he doesn't think he's an alcoholic but he may still have suicidal thoughts so that may play in there too whatever happened to him was probably gonna happen even unless his parents drove out there and picked him up especially if it was some type of suicidal thought something was gonna happen whether it they were able to stop him before it happened or not or if it was someone picking him up they might have been able to intervene, but at some point he would have gotten away. So again, not blaming the parents. There's things that they could have potentially done differently, but I think the end result may have been roughly the same. I just don't think that he went back to school 100% completely normal. And then two weeks later, we go to completely unhinged. I think maybe he was partying all summer parents knew this did not divulge it i'm not blaming them for actions i'm just saying i don't think they are telling the truest story about him a story that could have driven the investigation into the places it needed to go to we're sonaring and dragging the lakes and i'm not saying that those things didn't need to happen but if you're adamant that somebody was killed or met with foul play, when in the back of your mind, you're still like, 
this was probably a suicide. I feel like that you're police you're redirecting their efforts in the wrong yes. place. So, so you're so you, trying to get Canal's coattails, like, and maybe it's something I miss. Is the family or anybody speculating that it was some kind of foul play other than suicide? His parents really believe that he had a hit, had injury, and walked away from there and didn't know who he was and still doesn't know who he is till this day. So it makes me wonder if if they firmly believe that something happened to his head, went into the woods somewhere and died and animals read the body. Are they okay fluffing it to save face because they feel that they know the truth versus it's not trying to find the bad guy because we're not going to arrest the wolf that found him and took over the deceased body. So do they feel that they know the truth so much they can paint this picture and still find that they're, they're not out for justice because there's no one to blame, but I go back to what I said, when you're in that state of mind and you are having so much public eye brought on you and it's your child and you will do anything to paint the best light for that child and find the best life for that child, you better believe I probably wouldn't tell the world that Grayson got arrested for drug charges in high school because who the fuck needs to know? Because in my eyes, it has nothing to do with what's happening right now. But in hindsight, I probably should because that could lead to a different type of investigation, right? Going down the path that his parents think he has a brain injury and amnesia, they want him to remember them, like assuming they're on TV. They don't want him to remember being into drugs, into alcohol, all of that. So if they don't mention that to him, if he actually remembers who he is, maybe he won't come back and do those things. Then he'll be the perfect. Unfortunately, Bryce Las Pisa is still missing. So if you have any clues, I'll, I'll give a brief description of what he looked like. So he would have been 29 years old today. He did have red hair. He had blue eyes. He was five foot eleven, and at the time he went missing, he was about one hundred and sixty five pounds. He also did have a very distinct, I would call it a half a sleeve tattoo on his left arm that took up a majority of his arm. So definitely would be something that would be recognizable. So just some things to keep in mind if you're out and about and you see somebody that matches that description. But if you do happen to have any clues that could lead to finding Bryce, there's a couple different places that you can reach out to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office. The phone number for them is 323-890-5500. There is also still an active reward for any information leading to finding Bryce. You can call in or email any tips to 949 949- Two nine two four four zero zero, or find Bryce Laspisa at gmail.com. There's also an active Facebook page that is entitled Find Bryce Laspisa that is run by Bryce's family. Unfortunately, that's all we know today. Also, unfortunately, this case led to so many questions until somebody comes up with some really great tips to help us find where Bryce is. All we can do is speculate wildly. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today. 
We ask you to please subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else that you find your favorite podcasts, just so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at SWACPOD, S-W-A-C-P-O-D, or you can contact us via email for questions, comments, or case ideas. Our email address is SWACPOD at gmail.com. That's S-W-A-C-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks so much for speculating wildly with us tonight.